Hey team, it's Matt Drinkon here. And you might have heard, my brand new book releases on Amazon on March 8th. It's been a labor of love that I think can really help you navigate some of the challenges you're experiencing in your own life. I go over toxic positivity and how to think you're in it for everyone else. In reality, you're in it for yourself. And I express that through this entire book and help learn from our own mistakes and how to turn the lens on ourselves and ask good questions. So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. So Kyle, welcome to the Eternal Optimist podcast. It is an absolute pleasure. It's always a pleasure to see my friend Kyle Reedstrom, who is one half of the championship dodgeball winning team at the Front Row Dads retreat this year. So great to see you. Reflect for a moment here. What did that mean to you to finally take home the number one trophy as the champion at the Front Row Dads retreat? I tell you what, it's been a long time coming, Matt. And I've had many sleepless nights because of the icebreaker activity, sweat activity at the Front Row Dads retreats. For those that don't know, we have a competitive, we gotta get the competitive juices flowing. I've been blessed with a partner named Matt Drinkon in many of the competitions. And we've come up just a hair short. We've taken second place in a couple of them, but this year in Park City, Utah, history was made by our dodgeball team. It was a sweep, my friend. That was a straight up conquer and take home the hardware. So that's a highlight, man. That's just a nice quarter two highlight for me. Definitely a highlight. And I'd love to bring that up anytime we can when I see you. And let's get straight into the hard hitting question. Kyle, what's the hardest thing that you're willing to share with us that you've had to endure or overcome in your life so far? I want to go to a place of transition for me. And this answer from me would come around a relationship with my father during this time. And I think that that's why there was a lot of depth to the hardship. And one thing that I've learned about these hard moments, Matt, that I think is interesting that I want to speak to the crowd. I have been the dude that plays imposter syndrome thinking my traumas or my hardships are less than others. But in my world, in my perspective, they hit with the same blow. I felt a lot of the same ways that people have described various different types of hardships. So one of my encouragements that I would say is any hardship for you is a hardship. There's not a definition and there's not a volume. There's not a magnitude of this. And for me, you know, there's some very scary things in the world. There's some very nasty things that can happen and put people in hardship. But for me, this was a large weight. And what I'm getting to is I was in a place in my early career. So if you can put yourself graduated college, engineering student, got a job as an engineer. And maybe some people can align with this. Very frustrated in my entry-level job. I'm sitting here saying, what? I just got done with... There's got to be more to life than this sitting you know, in, in engineering. Well, I was sitting in front of a computer. and You got to pay your dues here too. Like, come on. This kid can't be at the top of the totem pole here, beginning of his career. But man, the thing is, Matt, I looked around... And a lot of the people that I was surrounded by were not what I would consider happy. They were not joyful. And that matters, Matt. When you're around, you can tell the energy of your environment. That was like a big aha. I'm like, wait, these people don't like what they do. I don't think this is where I'm going to be. I don't think this is the people that I want to become. That led to a lot of frustration. Like you spend time getting educated. You spend time going, and then I'll take the test to become an engineer and license all that. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, I'm not going to do this. 
I need to pivot. I need to talk. I need to talk about this. I need to pivot around. So I'm feeling tough about this. You don't know who to talk to, right? But you're starting to feel things out. And what was awesome, and I would tell anybody in that place, maybe you found yourself in a career, a path where you're spending a lot of your time in the week and you're not super pumped about what you're doing. It was a great place for me to start to get curious. And I started reading books for the first time, Matt. Like I picked up a book that wasn't an engineering textbook. And it was awesome. It helped me uh, learn what other people are doing in the world, that there's a bigger world out there. But anyway, this all led to what was a big transition for me. I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Anybody curious about money or real estate, that's been a big aha book for a lot of people. That book, I read it on a Sunday afternoon, sat on the couch. I remember the sun coming through the window and I was just like, I don't even like to read, but I can't stop. Page after page after page, taking notes aha moments. And I said to myself, I wrote down, I have these journals. And that's the other thing. I journal a lot during this time when I was frustrated. There's a quote that says, the decisions and the actions you take in the valley determine how high your peak goes. So if you're in the valley right now, or when I'm thinking of myself in this valley, I knew that I was frustrated, but I knew I had an opportunity to make calculated decisions and make a plan. That became real estate. That became investing, understanding money, money education. And it was an amazing new world to explore. And during that time, I actually realized I got into engineering because I thought that I would make a lot of money, which I'm not saying engineers... <laughs> I'm not saying engineers don't make a lot of money. I think engineers that own engineering firms make a lot of money. But I was like, that's really the root of why I got to be in the professional industry of engineering. I was like, oh, that wasn't the right reason. Yeah. So you started off in the early career and you were kind of frustrated to be in an environment where it maybe is a little bit different than you thought. But most importantly, the people around you just weren't happy or joyful in what they were doing. Take us back to that. When you realized that when you got out of college, graduate, you're an engineer now and you're in this role, how long did it take you to realize that I need to get curious and then read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Like, What's the time length before you came to that realization, did that and got curious? So I love the idea of being a light, even if you're in a dark place. So I said, I don't want to be just a product of my surrounding. So I started to make relationships, Matt. That's what we can do. And when other people said they were just as frustrated as me, and I figured out I wasn't alone, I was like, okay, there's something here. It's not just me. When I started asking my managers and everything, what their goals were, what their lifestyle was like, and everybody was financially stressed, time stressed, overworked, overweight, not fit, things like that were not healthy in a lot of ways. It's like, oh, is this a product of just them as a person or is this a theme? So I just started taking note of the surrounding. And then the big thing for me was life is about experiences. Life is about lifestyle. And I just looked at like, hey, who's traveling? I, I can't tell you how many people I met that couldn't even use their vacation. It's like they didn't know how to use their vacation that they were allotted to. They would let it expire year after year. It's like, that blew my mind, man. I live in Fargo, North Dakota. Matt, we get good at traveling in the winters. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so, um, yes. To answer your question, I had to say, is this just me? I want to be self-aware. Because I think sometimes the root of all of our problems has one common denominator. It looks you in the face. It's looking you in the mirror. It's you. If everywhere you're going, the same problems are following you, you're the common denominator. And I was like, is this me? Is this just me? So when I was able to audit that and understand that it wasn't, and it led me to that place, Matt, where I was, why did I do this? Why did I actually do this in the first place? Which I said, and this will tie into what I mentioned with my dad. One of them was like, I thought I'd make a lot of money, which I think you can if you stick with it. And then the other one was, I think I became an engineer because it made my dad happy. 
And that brings me to the lowest of low points is when I made the jump away from engineering into the entrepreneurial world of real estate. My dad completely and verbally rejected it. Oh, man. Ooh. Can you take us to that conversation? Yeah. So 50% of the people in my life were like, Kyle, that's an amazing decision. I'm so proud of you. I know you've been frustrated. I've been waiting for you to make a move. And it looks like this is going to be awesome for you. And the other 50% of my life were like, oh my gosh, is he stupid? Why is he leaving that? What is he thinking? This is dumb. And when you're in that fragile state of taking a risk like that, it's hard. The critics are hard. They're louder. And the support is needed, man. I just needed people to cheer for me. My mom was that. My mom was like, dude, this is you're going to do great at whatever you do. I know you. And my dad was the one. And I'll take you there. Like you said, I want to be vulnerable because I think people might have similar stories out there. It was Easter 2015. I had waited till the last minute to actually tell my dad what was going on, which was me becoming a real estate agent, getting my real estate license. I had already gotten it. And I had told him that weekend before Easter. I think it came in the form of a text message that was like, yeah, this is official. But he had kind of heard from my mom, whatever. And we were at a family event for Easter. And what happened was topic came up of Kyle's changing uh, paths with what he's doing. And I remember being in the other room and my dad decided to voice his opinion about that in a joking way and essentially just made fun of what real estate agents are one step above a car salesman. All these things in my head that I was like holding me back and they were confirming some of these things I was scared of becoming, getting into sales, all this stuff, getting into the entrepreneurial world. Entrepreneurs don't make any money. Start your business, you can fail flat on your face, all these things. And he essentially called me stupid in front of my aunt's, uncle's, family, cousins. I was in the other room and I'm sitting there. I wasn't there to defend myself. Thankfully, I didn't jump into verbal defense, but I was boiling. I was super tough to my ego. I was already fragile in that. And I'm sitting here saying, F you, man. You're the one dude in my life that I need the most support from in this moment. And I just listened to you. I listened to what you actually had to say. And you didn't even say it to my face. And dude, fast forward to I drove home because it was a family event. It was a holiday. There was alcohol. There was drinking. Fun was being had. I drove the family home. I remember my dad sitting in the passenger seat. I'm driving. My mom's in the back seat. My brother's in the back seat. And Matt, to this day, the most painful part of it is that my mom and brother had to listen to me essentially tell my dad how I felt about that. And essentially, I told my dad, I know you're not on board with this. And if you don't get on board with it, I'm never talking to you again. I don't respect you. It doesn't sound like you respect me. You're not the leader for me. This was this moment, Matt, that sometimes I've heard this is like the death to your father moment. This is where it's no longer father, son. This is like, I need to go. It was a crazy moment. There was a lot of tears. There was a lot of anger. He didn't fight it. He just listened to it. It was the worst things I've ever said to my dad, ever. Worst words I've ever said to anybody. It was all just anger and defense, man. I was just broken up. Yeah. Well, thanks for having the courage to share that, Kyle. And I want to honor you for that. And I think you're sharing a story that a lot of us might be able to relate to. My story with my dad and being an entrepreneur is eerily similar to that. So I appreciate that you had the courage to share that. And now that was 2015 when you became a real estate agent. So I'd love to walk forward from post that conversation. Was there a moment when you started as a real estate agent up until now that you realized that this is my calling and 
this is what I'm meant to do. Take us to that time if there was a moment when you consciously became aware. Dude, the cool part was like, I got back to it. I had a chip on my shoulder now, Matt, as you can imagine. I had something to prove to myself. I had something to prove to him. That's a lot of motivation. And I used it, but I didn't know how the heck to do sales, man. I was coming from an engineer, but here's the thing. I always liked to be around people. I had that going for me. I was more of an extroverted engineer as it was. And uh, I went to my mentor at the time and I said, how do I sell a house? How do I sell? And he literally said, you never sell. You just go and all the people, all the relationships that you've let lay and, and that you've not fed very well, you haven't watered those plants, go back, be a better friend, add value to them, check in with them, take them out for lunches, happy hours, coffees, and just do that all week long and be a really energetic connector for people and just go out into your community every day. So just go be a great friend to everybody. It's like, yep, I can do that. Matt, to answer your question, that was the moment when I started to re-engage with my community, my people. When I started to form community, I started to create community myself. People were drawn and attracted to that. Dude, I was having the time of my life. That was a blast. People are the best part of everything you do in life. And they're also the hardest part of everything you do in life. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, oh. what do you mean by that? Please go deeper into that. Because humans, we're so complicated. I'm complicated. I'm a client for some people and I am not an easy client in some senses. But at the end of the day, if you can relate, if you can get on the same level, you can get to the same side of the table with people. It is so much fun. I always say like, even when the hard times happen, if you can link arms, you can own things, not make excuses, not point fingers. Some of the hardest times I've had with clients, we've become the the closest at the end of the day. I realized real quickly, like I should have always been in the business where I get to see, talk to, serve, engage with people all day, every day. Because every time I do it, it gives me energy. And if anybody can relate to that, and maybe you're not meeting new people daily, weekly, after this podcast with you, Matt, I'm going to have more energy than when I started. That's not for everybody. That's not for everybody. But some people are going to listen. And if you don't put opportunities for you to meet new people and serve people every day, you're just not tapping into the energy that's out there for you. So that was the aha for me, man. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I always needed to be doing this. I just didn't go to college and say, oh, I'm going to get a sales degree. I don't even know if there is that probably a business degree. Yeah, I bet I couldn't agree more that the most rewarding, engaging, like amazing things in life all come when the community interacts with other people. It's the hardest thing too, because you know, people have emotions and they're real and they have complications and things. And it's not a perfect system where everything is just uh, workflow, 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 perfect. There's reality to it, but I totally agree. I totally agree with you. So I'm curious if you can walk us on the journey, a real estate agent to where we are now. You've gotten some feedback. Just go, go talk to people and you're energized by this, you fell in love with it. So what happened when you got that feedback and from then to now, Kyle? Yeah, so that was the beginning of discovering who you are and what your strengths are. I've always been a big guy of like, I try to play into my strengths, not focus on all the areas that I'm lacking in. You know, in the book, Who Not How, I believe that's the one, a lot of us read that one. There's like an exercise where you're actually supposed to reach out to like 10 people and ask about your unique ability. And I actually wrote that email and sent it out to 10 people. And you know, there's exercises like this, but like in the sales world, in the people world, you get inundated with like personality tests and exercises like this. And I always love them. So anything you can do to learn more about how you tick, how you are created, what your DNA is, and you can play into that, that's it. That's a start of a lot of discovery. 
And so for me, like a lot of people came back, like one of the best forms of feedback was somebody said, communication is your unique ability. And they went through all these different ways that I communicate and like online, in person, how you work, just verbal, uh, like English and language skills, vocabulary, whatever it is. I was like, wow, that was amazing feedback. Some of this was like, okay, I'm getting validated in this. I'm feeling the momentum. And then there's a whole technical aspect to anything you're going to do. You know, I needed to learn a lot about houses and a lot about contracts and legal and representation and fiduciary. So those were like the schoolwork stuff, which I also was like, once you're learning about something you're interested in, which was, again, remember the first book I read, Real Estate. So it's like, now I'm mixing people and real estate. This couldn't be a better match. I uh, was able to climb the ladder and become the top salesperson at the brokerage I was at, which allowed me to start leading, which was a whole nother world, man. I was like, wait, I love people. What about leading people? This is, again, some of the source of my most amazing joys in my life of watching people that I've served as a leader flourish, but also some of the most painful time-sucking, energy-sucking moments as in leading people. So it's like these crazy highs and lows. But that was a big-time horizon I wanted to chase. I was able to lead a couple teams at that brokerage until I, in 2020, was able to start our own real estate team. And the cool part along the way, man, is I got introduced to like the world of business and the community of people and how they live their lives, run their careers, start their businesses, make their money. And it's just like, man, we live in the greatest country in the world. If you look around, it's just unlimited opportunity if you really look around. And so I started to tap into that. We were able to get into investing in properties quarterly. We were buying properties, which is why I really wanted to get into real estate in the first place. We were able to start a property management company. We were able to get involved in different real estate funds that we organized. So we were able to play into a lot of these little pods around real estate, which man, how fun is that? And so that's where we find ourselves today is just flexing that entrepreneurial muscle, but also flexing a healthy amount of focus on moving the needle on each of those businesses. And now we have a team of about seven in our own brand called Midwest Invest Realty Group here in Fargo. And dude, it's a joy for me to see our guys. My wife's on the team. All of us are uh, moving, shaking, doing stuff, but then we all have a goal. Why do we do this? And it all has to stem around our one thing brand, which is the neon sign you see behind me. We call ourselves Passive 25K Group, which is all around everything we do needs to move towards uh, $25,000 a month in passive income and crossing that finish line. And then once we do that, we want to help other people on our team and outside of that do the same. Awesome. Yeah, I'm so glad you shared that story about why the 25K, Passive 25K behind you, because I had the privilege of being on your podcast, Passive 25K podcast was awesome. And just hearing you share the story and knowing you have the podcast, you have property management, you have real estate properties, and even hearing that your wife is a part of the organization. What's that like working with your wife in side-by-side business? That's got to be interesting. Yeah. Okay. So this is a whole nother podcast episode, but I do want to touch on this because it's super cool. And I remember the advice that I got, Matt, and I had, it was a person that was like an implementer for what we call entrepreneurial operating system traction. There's a book called traction, if you don't know what that is. And he said, wait, your wife is familiar with real estate. I was like, yeah, she's actually an accountant right now. That's what she does, but she's really knows a lot about real estate and she has interest. He said, if you can be in business with your wife, and you have confidence that you guys can work together, it's 100% the best route you can possibly go. And I was like, wait, all I've ever heard is some doubt and some shade around like, oh, you might not want to mix business and be in a marriage together. And he's like, no, undoubtedly, the best businesses I know is when a husband and wife have alignment, they have unity, they have a clear vision that they're both chasing. 
and they're both vested and they both sit in different seats, by the way, they sit in the seats that they're supposed to. I sit in the seat where my strengths are. She sits in the seat where her strengths are. And if you can have clarity in that, it's the best way you can operate a business, he said. And I was like, well, shoot, Haley and I need to talk about this. And that was where there was a lot of similar themes for her at her accounting job, where she was looking around and she wasn't seeing a lot of the leaders that she wanted to become. And she wasn't seeing a lifestyle that she wanted when she had audit accountants that were FaceTiming their kids at 8 o'clock at night, wishing them good night in bed. And that she said, that's not the life I want to live. And so we said, well, do you want to stay? And it came to a head around COVID. The, her boss said, you need to come back to the office. COVID's over. And she was working from home and she loved it. We said, do you want to do that or do you not? And that was when we pivoted, man. And so that was uh, 2021. And she's been in our world. She helps with our short-term rental portfolio with furnishing properties and designing. She sells houses. She actually has a side business, Baby Quip, where actually it's like renting out baby equipment for people. We use it when we go to Arizona. We don't haul strollers and car seats and all these toys and books and everything. We just rent it there. And so we actually have that little franchise in Fargo. She has a business around that. Wow. Super cool, man. I'm looking forward to putting that in the show notes. I had no idea there was another business we're going to talk about, BabyQuip. What's the website for that? If you Google BabyQuip, it's a really cool solve to a problem, right? With us that have kids and we're traveling with stuff, man, I don't want to haul four pack and plays. You know what I mean? (laughs) The pack and play. Oh, you're in that stage. You're still there, man. I I feel for you, brother. (laughs) I want to go back and explore something for a second because you said that Haley, she was at a work spot where she was seeing something similar to what you were seeing. The leaders were modeling, oh, I'm burning the candle at both ends. I'm working all the time. Maybe not in the happiest or joyful place. And can you speak to, you know, how important it is for us as leaders to model for our people this happiness or joy or work-life harmony? I mean, how important is it to model these qualities and traits? Man, I think it's first important to be authentic. I think there's two categories, Matt. I think there's people that do work and hate it. And there's people that have a why behind what they're actually doing. So if you're a leader and you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I don't actually hate what I do every day. Because if you say that, then it's just like, okay, you're a cancer to your surrounding. Then, you know, like everybody can feel that. Everybody can feel that you hate what you do every day. Whether you even, you can put on the fakest smile in the world, but there's chatter that happens in the background of your head. There's ways that bleeds through. But if you look yourself in the mirror and say, I actually have a why behind what I do every day. I think you have a responsibility to share that with your people. I actually did it for my team out of the pain of like, I want you guys to know exactly why I'm doing it. When I hired every person on our team, the way I started the interview was I drew on the whiteboard and I said, this is exactly what we have going on. This is why we're doing it. We decided to put a number to it. Everything we do is trying to get across the finish line of 25,000. And the reason I'm hiring you is to help us do that better. And the hope is that if you can create a career here and you can help us do this, that we can help do something along the lines, help you solve your goals that you're chasing. And I truly believe when two people can better achieve both their individual goals by being in proximity and together, that's when work is like, dude, let's go. This is why this is business. But when one of my team members is trying to achieve his goals, and it's all about his goals, and he thinks that I'm only out for me, and I don't really care about him achieving his goals then we're just waiting for the time bomb to blow up. Like I said, I literally told everybody why. And the reason why, by the way, is we believe that if we can get to a place, which is the buzzword, but it's if we can get to a place of financial freedom, which is what 25,000 represents for us, we can then start to have time abundance and we can start to pour our options with our time into things that fascinate us and solve problems that are huge in this world. And so 
that's why we want to do it all. That's the only thing worth doing. I think I've met people that have time abundance and the quality of their relationships, the quality of their fitness, the quality of their life makes it a place where I think everybody needs to chase this goal because it's a huge bleeding impact into our entire world is what they're impacting. So I'm giving that speech in the interview. And there's no question on why we're doing what we're doing after that. But as a leader, Matt, and to answer your question, why can't we start to have the meetings not around KPIs and not around, hey, what did you do last week? What are you going to do this week? What's do at the end of the month, end of the quarter? Like, where's the, here's why I do what I do. Why do you do what you do? How can we both accomplish what we're trying to achieve here? Because then, dude, everything else works. Everything else flows. Yeah. Yeah. I often say coaching calls people. I think it's very aligned with what your leadership style sounds like is that you're authentic, you're curious, and you're sharing why this is so important. I want to know for every person on my team, every person I coach, I want to know what's most important to you, what might success look like, what are the biggest challenges you're facing, so we can craft and create together what that game plan might be. I would challenge any leader out there, if you don't know the why of each of your people, if you don't know what matters most to them, then that's on you Mr. or Mrs. Leader to own that. I don't know that. I feel that I might be able to better serve my team if I do that. So I'm glad that you totally believe that knowing the why, sharing the why, super important. Oh, and by the way, this changes a lot. We have to revisit this every quarter. That's the whole system. Like every quarter we sit down, we say, why are we doing this all? Oh, we know 25. Well, why are we doing the little parts? Why are we doing the little thing that's going we think is going to get us there? And it changes. Like we've had people get in new relationships. They have different whys behind what they're up to, what their goals are. One of the guys on my team really wanted a Tesla. And it was he had a really cool reason why and why he supported that whole brand. But that changed for him. And he was saving up towards that. He had saved like 60% of what a Tesla costs, which is a lot of savings. And guess what? His why shifted. And it was an amazing aha for everybody. And it was everybody was cheering him on. And it was, what if we would have breezed over that and just assume that that was his why forever. Super important point. I mean, someone joins a company and you ask them what their goals might be. And then maybe at the annual review, you might ask them about their goals. I'm totally with you. I would encourage people to revisit it regularly, to connect people, reconnect people to their why, reconnect people to what matters most to them and keep that front and center for everything. So you've mentioned a couple of things I've made note of, curiosity, authenticity. What might the core values be of the past 25K group and anyone that works with you, what are these core values that are most important to you, Kyle? Okay. So first off, there's a lot of months, many moons when I would have had to come up with some uh, buzzwordy answers for this. I finally, this was a little while ago. Again, our quarterly meetings prompted this like, Hey, we need to define what actually do we value? And I like that question better. Like let's come up with core values. All of a sudden people start saying things like, we like it when people have high integrity. Well, yeah, I like that too. But like, what do we actually see ourselves valuing on a weekly basis? And that led us to core value number one, which is lifestyle is greater than sign, you know, from math, because I'm a math nerd. Lifestyle is greater than career. And lifestyle is greater than career is one of our favorite values because it's literally the way we shake everybody up and say, hey, when's the last time we, you traveled? When's the last time you experienced things in your life? What's your date night schedule look like? When's the last time you spent time with your mom and dad, brother, sister? When's the last time you did a solo trip for yourself, an adventure? This is what lifestyle can be. And lifestyle is your design. What does your workout regimen look like? And so lifestyle always trumps our career. And if it doesn't show up in your calendar, it doesn't exist. And we have had quarters where we looked around 
And we said, okay, and we have to defend our values every quarter, by the way, Matt. So every quarter we have to say, hey, if we value lifestyles greater than career, how did we show that in quarter two? That's what we're going to ask in about a month. And I'm going to say, I took an amazing road trip with my family to Idaho. We spent a long weekend with my parents down late, got grandma and grandpa time. And Haley and I got a date night during that. I worked out 16 times each month, each month in quarter two. All of these things in lifestyle, I can sit here and defend how I valued lifestyle over my career. And everybody has to do that. And if anybody doesn't, we call them out and they have to make a game plan. Otherwise, we got to chop that value because we're not actually showing that we value it. That's number one. Number two is 90-day world. That's our second value. Because we saw ourselves changing everything we do into 90-day increments. We don't even talk about 2023 anymore. We do have one exercise where we set a three-year hard hard charge. So we have a three-year vision. At the annual meeting, we kind of compile our quarterly visions into one annual goal. So there is that. But we don't talk about that. We talk about our 90-day goal. Even in life, this is important, Matt. When it comes to travel schedule, when it comes to your own rhythms, if I don't travel once a quarter and do some... And it can be small. It can be walking into the woods for an afternoon. If I don't do something like that, I feel it. So everybody operates on a 90-day world and, and everybody, we're understanding how can this be a good reset for us? How can we give ourselves refreshment, new mindset every 90 days? So that's a huge thing we value. And the last value is kind of tactical. It's four words. Save, comma, invest, comma, track, dot, 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 freedom. Because we believe that's the cycle that we run. And that's the cycle we want to help our clients run. That's the cycle we want to help everybody run is you got to learn how to save money and be a good steward of your resources. I think we have a call in our lives to multiply the resources that we have, not just use them or just barely get by with them. Plus, we have a multiplication effect. And then we have an obligation to know our numbers. We have an obligation to track what we're doing so we can have self-awareness around those. And then we can just repeat, repeat, repeat. And eventually we find ourselves in a place where we have options, which is freedom. That's our last value. And that's the one thing that everybody that's hired has a plan for themselves to save, invest, track, and then get to a, their freedom number. Wow. Wow. And I realized that before I asked you that question, I didn't make it safe. And if you don't have something written down out there, dear listener, around what your core values or your mantras might be. There's no shame in that at all. I would assume most people probably don't have exact crystal clear clarity on that. What Kyle just did is share that he didn't have that for some time. And now he has worked on it and works on asking questions about what it might look like when he's living those or as people are living those values. So thank you for sharing what yours might be or now. I wonder how they evolve over time. When you get to the 25K for the, all the people in your company and then you know, the influence spreads, because I've seen it spreading since I met you what, a year and a half ago. And it's been pretty cool. Dude, and that's a great point, Matt. You made an amazing point there. We started with five and we actually had to come to the point and none of them were the three that I just mentioned. There were five different ones. We had many iterations of getting to a quarterly meeting and be like, I don't know. Like one of ours was proactive. We love, I still love that. Like I want everybody on our team. I want everybody to be proactive in life, but we just couldn't find really great examples I was really proactive, you know, we're kind of pulling out of our back pocket with it, you know, and making stuff up. So it's like, we didn't love that as a really staple thing we value. We think it's a good thing. I think that's the difference. I think it's good and it's good to practice and it's good to talk about, use the word, but is it truly something we're showing value to? Mm, yes. 
So let's say I'm a listener. I've been hearing you. Maybe even I see you on the YouTube channel. I love your energy. I love the core values. You feel very congruent with someone that I'd like to know more about or maybe even do business with you, reach out to you and connect with you, Kyle. And then from there, why would they reach out and connect to you? What might you be able to do with them and serve them in this part of this community you're building? Our community, we were looking for the community we wanted to be a part of, and we really couldn't find one that was hitting it on the head. That's when we created our own. And Pass the 25K group is literally stated. I've kind of mentioned that. We have a community we built behind that called Passive Income University. And that kind of ties into our Passive 25K podcast with Kyle Reedstrom, which I would say as a next step for anybody curious, this podcast has been a passion project for me because I just wanted to source as many ways people are constructing their vision and bring them all into one place, which is what our podcast is. I have interviewed people that are doing vending machines, people doing storage units, people doing rental property, people doing e-commerce, people renting out their cars, people renting out their RVs, people doing in the stock market, You know, all these different ways people are creating their revenue streams. Because one of the quotes that I love is, the riskiest move you can have is a single source of income. Uh, a table with one leg is going to fall over. And so for people to find other little ways to create their revenue streams in there, because our 25 is five streams of 5,000. That's how we broke that down. And before we did that, we had to have three streams of 500 a month. We're reverse engineering this. So what I like to do, that podcast is an amazing place to go. Find us any platform. We actually video it as well. So we're on YouTube. And I think you'll find value in some of the topic matter. The upcoming episode that we have is on taxes and how to start to partner with the government and reduce your tax burden, which is amazing content. I know it sounds dry, but it's about keeping more of the money you make, working smarter, not harder. If you listen to that and you're drawn to it, you're drawn to a guest, I would love it. I always have a call to action for you to reach out and talk to us about your story. What's going through your head? What are the streams that you're thinking about set up or already have set up? I personally do those conversations and they're my favorite. They're free conversations. They usually go for 30 minutes to an hour. And it's super fun to just hear people's vision for what they're planning. And then the cool part is we have just a ton of resources. And if there's an opportunity for us to partner or get in community, that's when we can talk about that. But it's really, really fun to just have those conversations about what people's plans are. Yeah, I mean, call me a nerd. I'm okay with that. I love to have that conversation too, the plan of you know how we're going to get to that exact target you're talking about. So I love the conversation. And I love the nugget you just shared. I hope the listeners caught it, is that Kyle may have started at three streams of income at $500 a month each, then evolving that to five streams of income at $5,000 uh, a piece each month. That's how you get to 25000 a month. So I love the way you're reverse engineering that and building on it as you go along. We'll have all these links in the show notes to our listeners, so feel free to check those out. And Kyle, I'd love to ask if they're anxious. They're on the bench a little bit here. They've not begun their real estate portfolio yet. They're not sure how to get in. And maybe they're feeling guilty or a little bit ashamed that I, I should know this stuff. I should be doing something. I just don't know how. How would you coach someone who's anxious to get started? They can definitely do it. How would you respond to them? You know, I can empathize for that person. I was that person. And it's what we call in the real estate world specifically analysis paralysis because you're just accumulating data. And I always say the pendulum of business for me has been a swing over to accumulating data and analyzing decisions and then action. And if it can't stay on one side, it's action. Because all of, if I was going to tell you examples of things I've learned, none of it would be stuff that I've read in books. It would all be things that I've actually done and screwed up or worked with people and met people that have done things and people that have taught me real life examples before I walked that path. Again, taking action. And action can be in the form of hiring a coach 
hiring a, a group, coordinating with people over coffee, reaching out to authors, reaching out to podcasters. Can't tell you how many people stay intimidated of reading a book, being really drawn to the content matter, and then like, well, I can't reach out to an author. I reach out to almost every author that I read a book that I'm super drawn to. I get jacked on. I'm like, I got to meet this guy. You know, we kind of have to have that ignorance. And that's what I would encourage you to do. I'd say, if you've heard anything here, reaching out to Matt, reaching out to me, this is an amazing first step because everything that's good that's happened and anything that we've done that I've explained has always been a who, not a how. I've found somebody that had an amazing dad's group that was called Front Row Dads. And I was like, I got to check this out. And it's completely radically changed the way I am in my marriage, as a father, in my health. And it's all because of the person that I had a conversation with about it. It's not because I read it and it's like, this is a good idea to join this group. And so I would say if you're sitting on the bench and you're scared or you haven't acted and you're maybe like down on yourself about that, Who's one person you can have a conversation with about this? Who's maybe one step ahead of you or maybe even at the same level as you? The cool thing about our journey, Matt, is we're on a journey to 25000 a month, but we haven't made it there yet. We haven't crossed that finish line. A lot of people ask me that question. We're about halfway there. And as we do the numbers every quarter, we're making slow progress to it. And I love that because I'm in the game too. And I want to be in the game. And being in the game with someone and alongside someone is maybe the most value you can have. Partnerships happen. Creativity happens. So I think your next step, if you're listening, is who's in your mind right now that's coming up and who should you talk to about maybe this episode and and foster discussion around some ideas. Absolutely. Thank you for that advice. I'd love to ask you to wrap things up here, Kyle. I'm looking at the lightning round. Ding, ding, ding. Welcome to lightning round here. We're going to ask you a couple questions here. When you hear the words eternal optimist, what does that mean to you? Eternal optimist. What it means to me is optimism to me, when I hear it in that sense, is not something that just comes and goes. It's something that you've decided that's going to be a commitment to yourself each day. It's going to be whether the times are good, whether the money's there, whether it's not, whether the relationship's going well, or whether you're in a valley working through some things. Are you choosing the glass half full? Which is, again, amazing little logo right there tied in, right? The power of that in my life has been huge for me to continue to choose the light side, the hope side of the cup rather than despair. Because you have a choice. You walk through the gates of a defeat or you're going to say, there's one more thing I can do. There's one more thing I can own. There's one more excuse I can forget. And I think it's either you're committed to it or you're not. That's eternal optimist to me. I like that. I like those two words together. Thank you. I love when you said there's one more thing that I can own. So I love that you're all about owning your own stuff. So let's go to the next question. You've already mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad as a book that's had an influence on you. Is there one or two other books that you might recommend that have had an impact in your life, Kyle? Yeah, there's a lot, right? I think reading, there's wisdoms and superpowers in the pages of books. You'll find them and all of a sudden they'll hit you. I want to go to a really simple one. I don't even think it's well known, but I think it's super healthy. And I like to do this every now and then. I think energy around money is really interesting. I think it can be good and bad and all of a sudden... I like to think of money as like a relationship. Think if you like lived in a house and you're in a relationship with money. Think if you never talked to each other or you never saw each other. If you had bad interactions constantly, you would not have a good relationship with money. And so one of the books I'm reading right now is actually called The 30-Day Money Cleanse. And it's a super cool, quick little boot camp that reminds you of things you've heard before, but it's really good, like practical things to take inventory of your life. And I love the quick little boot camp style of it. Like it's 30 days, four weeks. Here's the regiment. Here's what you're focusing on. You're writing down some really cool things. 
amazing little book that I'm uh, exploring. I'm listening to it on Audible. And I'm going to pitch that one to the audience right now. And it's in our save category of our relationship with money matters. Because if we can get really healthy here, Matt, we can get to the multiplication phase. And then we can track it. And then we can duplicate, duplicate. Yes. Yeah, I love how you just brought back to your core value there of the save and the invest. Totally, totally appreciate that. It's all congruent for you. So Kyle, let's conclude. And I didn't precede this with you, so I don't know what you might say now. We started with a challenge and that challenge was the relationship with your father was strained when you made this move to real estate. And I'm curious if it's the right question now, where might that relationship be uh, nowadays? If I can ask. Super glad you brought that up because I kind of left it there, right? And I'm happy to say in retrospect, he was riddled with fear about my entrepreneurial journey because all he wanted for his son was safety. Because what do we want as parents for our kids, Matt? Dude, I just want my kids to be healthy and safe and happy. Dude, for him, a person who's been a lawyer for much of his life, risk equaled entrepreneurship. That was not stable. That was not stable for him. And it did not feed his being. And it meant that I was going to fail. It meant that I might not be safe. It meant that he didn't want to see me feel pain. And when I got to the empathizing and understanding where he might be looking at this, many times I had a lot of empathy for him. I said, he was just scared. He was terrified. He didn't know how to get rid of some of these emotions of fear. And they came out in the worst way, which is sometimes what happens when we're scared. Things come out of your mouth. You say things, you do things, you behave in a way that's not the way that you would normally behave. And so I was able to actually have a big exercise in my life around forgiveness in the sense of I had to ask him if he would forgive me for a lot of the things that I didn't bring him into or conversation I didn't have or things I didn't express to him and ask him if he would forgive me which allowed us to have an amazing reconciliation and really was able for him to say, he's been my cheerleader all along, man. He's literally my biggest cheerleader I have in my life. But you know, for a moment there, man, it was a tough relationship we had to work through. It was a good reconciliation, but it led to a huge personal growth place in my life when it comes to forgiveness and empathy. Well, Kyle, man, this has been great to have you on and to hear some of the wisdom about community and about investing and about the journey and having the courage to have discussions with the important people in your life. You've exemplified your values today and also to celebrate being a front row dad and winning the dodgeball championship too. But it's been great to have you on, my man. Just love you. Thanks so much for being here today. Appreciate you. Yeah, Matt, thanks for having me, man. I love what you're doing and keep it up. The guests that you've been having on this podcast, anybody that's drawn to what you're up to, man, just keep being a lighthouse for these people because I love what you're doing and the people that are following what you're doing. So, Yes, sir. Well, yeah, before we wrap it up, I keep making this a little bit longer. I'd say this, you recommended me to someone recently by the name of Mr. Eric Hatch. And I met him, had him on the show. His episode might air before or after yours, but he was an amazing guest to have on. Can you share with us one quick thing about Mr. Eric Hatch that causes you to smile? Dude, Eric is the guy that got me into real estate. He's this dude that I don't think I've ever said this to Eric, but he became my dad when my dad wasn't there. In this, I'm like, dude, I followed you, man. I'm following you. And you know why? Because I love the way his heart worked. And I was part of a company where he led the company by using the word love a lot in that company. And it allows me to use the word love for people in my world and my company. And that's not something that you always do in the business world. Some people might be like, ah, we don't love each other. No, that was a word that was commonly used in where we were at. 
And so one of the things about Eric is, dude, he's a camp counselor that runs businesses and he's never going to change that. And I think that more people should run run businesses like a camp counselor because it was majorly impactful for many people. Me being one of them, my stars were changed by Eric being a chapter in my book. Awesome. Kyle, thanks, brother.